For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in, like you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Welcome to Love It or Leave It Live or Else, recording from Crooked HQ in Hollywood. Ever heard of it? The slap occurred a mere mile and a half from where we are now. Makes you feel lucky to be alive. We've got a great show for you this week. We've got Joel Kim Booster, Jenny Yang, and Emily Heller dissecting rom-coms from a Dynasty show because like every great meal, every great show has leftovers. We've got some Q&A and some brand spanking new rants brought to you by Crooked's most aggrieved employees, the ones who work closely with me. But first, let's get into it. What a week. According to the Washington Post and CBS News, internal White House communications given to the January 6th committee reveal a seven-hour and 37-minute gap in Donald Trump's phone log the day of the Capitol insurrection. It's suspicious, but given Trump's whole I have to flush the toilet 15 times thing, it could just be a bathroom break. Could have been a really long shit. It's probably not. It's probably obstruction of justice. <laughs> Different kind of obstruction. President Biden explained that his recent comment that Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power was an expression of his indignation, not a policy announcement. Said Biden, I was just expressing my outrage, but it doesn't mean we have a fundamental policy to do anything to take Putin down in any way. That being said, Vladimir, if you hear the creak of a 40-year-old leather jacket and the clack of veneers behind you, start praying to whatever God you've got going over there. Meanwhile, Senator Josh Hawley defended Clarence Thomas and Ginny Thomas against mounting criticism. I mean, here's the bottom line. This is ridiculous, these attacks on Justice Thomas. And the idea that Ginny Thomas's wife is supposed to sign off on her texts and on her work with her husband as if he's in charge of her in some way, isn't that misogyny? It's 2022, folks. A woman's place isn't in the home, it's in the Capitol, pooping on the floor of Adam Schiff's office. <laughs> on Monday... Governor Ron DeSantis officially signed Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill into law with the order set to take effect on July 1st, which means we're taking pitches for a new word or phrase to mean gay, including late with an iced coffee and attempt three on getting my driver's license. (laughs) Are those ways to say someone's gay or ways to say someone is Brian Semmel? (laughs) Breaking news. We here at Love It or Leave It are bringing you up-to-date updates on the story that has rocked Washington this week. Madison Cawthorn's cocaine-fueled orgies. As the world knows by now, in a recent interview, North Carolina representative and world's hottest monster, Madison Cawthorn claimed DC is more like House of Cards than you might think. No, not the part where Kevin Spacey snaps a dog's neck, but instead it's the non-stop bacchanalia of sex parties and drugs. According to Cawthorn, he was stunned when his fellow lawmakers invited him to an orgy. I'm kind of a young guy in Washington with the average age of probably 60 or 70. And I look at all these people, a lot of them that I, you know, I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention to politics, guys that, you know, it, then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come. And I'm like, what, what did you just ask me to come to? According to Cawthorn, sexual get-togethers aren't even the half of it, added the congressman. Or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove, you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. 
And it's like, wow, this is wild. Okay, so well, at least he's willing to watch. Also, imagine an orgy without Coke. It seems rough. Coach is to an orgy what talc is to a gymnast. <laughs> anyway, I believe they snorted something in front of Cawthorn, but it wasn't necessarily cocaine. I'm guessing it was ground up Centrum Silver and Cialis, also known as a McConnell speedball. What was that you said, Congressman? A key bump? That strikes us as an upperclassman level coke terminology. You know what a key bump is when you're calling someone a key bump, you know? <laughs> Besides, addiction and sampling drugs are two different things, Madison. Much like being gay, we're just experimenting with a famous gay couple willing to keep a secret. I'm so sorry. <laughs> As you might have guessed, Cawthorn's colleagues aren't too happy with his probably accurate portrayal of Washington nightlife. For example, Representative Steve Womack insisted during a closed-door meeting of House Republicans that many of them go to bed at 9 p.m. and still use flip phones and fax machines. But by morning, you can bet they're just covered in lube. In response to the interview, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy gave Cawthorn a real talking to. As McCarthy explained to the press, I just told him he has lost my trust. He's going to have to earn it back. And I laid out to him everything that I find unbecoming. But enough about horn dog Republican Congressman Chester Unby. <laughs> and while McCarthy now says Cawthorn admitted to him that his claims were exaggerated, Roger Stone took to uh, right-wing social media to declare, Congressman Madison Cawthorn just told me he has not rejected his claims about drug-fueled orgies among DC elites. Then why hasn't Madison responded to my paperless post? I can see he opened it. And that's the latest on Orgygate. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Two Ukrainian negotiators and a Russian oligarch facilitating talks between Russia and Ukraine earlier this month reported symptoms like peeling skin and sore eyes, though an unnamed U.S. official told Reuters that their symptoms were probably due to environmental factors rather than poisoning. Environmental factors might sound crazy, but it's spring in L.A., and I personally wake up looking like a bog mummy crawling its way to Barry's boot camp. <laughs> Three oil executives have refused a request from the House Natural Resources Committee to testify in discrepancies on oil and gas prices, during which they would presumably have to explain why fossil fuel companies are pushing for a drilling free-for-all to reduce prices while simultaneously reporting record profits. This is why I'm sticking with Tesla, all right? Yeah, Elon Musk is a jerk. He's very annoying. But oil executives are worse and too smart to be on Twitter. Will Smith issued an apology for slapping Chris Rock across the face during Sunday's Oscar broadcast. Wrote the King Richard star, I am embarrassed and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There is no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. Meanwhile, Chris Rock's ticket sales have reportedly skyrocketed. As a result of the Oscars altercation, it looks like Will Smith slapped that guy into a bigger house. Will, if you're listening, I'm around. If there's any more slapping, you need to get out of your system. In an interview on CBS, actor and comedian Jim Carrey called the Dolby Theater crowd spineless for the standing ovation given to Will Smith following his acceptance speech, which he gave minutes after slapping Chris Rock. Jim Carrey went on to say he thinks the real reason the crowd was spineless was due to uh, vaccines. He's an anti-vaxxer. Uh, he used to post uh, videos of autistic kids having uh, problems without the parents' permission, claiming it was uh, vaccine-related. He's a cool guy. I really care what he thinks about this. Carrie concluded by saying that until the Dolby Theater crowd grows us fine, do not go in there. <laughs> I'm so sorry. In a caught-on-camera exchange at Elton John's Oscar viewing party, Caitlyn Jenner asked Lady Gaga why she hadn't seen her at the Malibu Starbucks lately. Are you still out there? Yes. I know. Well, good seeing you. Raising the question, what does that mean? I've switched baristas. What does that mean? What, what is that? I like it. 
I just like the idea of Lady Gaga like kind of like making chit chat with Caitlyn Jenner. Be like, I, I, I don't know, man. We live different lives. I don't need to see you at the Malibu Starbucks. Also, is Lady Gaga? Are they always going to the Malibu Starbucks? And finally, an ongoing international research project suggests we're all consuming roughly a credit card's worth of plastic every week. But don't worry, we checked. It's Kia. <laughs> when we come back, it's time for a rom-com qualm bomb. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Streaming May 23rd only on BET Plus. Miss Pat is back. I'm excited. <laughs> and it's time for some grown-ass family time. I am a man. Oh, you a man? That's right. Then take my clothes off. You ain't pay for none of that on your back. <laughs> you can't ignore your mother forever. I've tried. Would you like me to backhand you again? The Miss Pat Show. Streaming May 23rd on BET Plus. <laughs> to sign up and learn more, visit BET.plus. And we're back. Uh, the woos uh, you can only get from a group of people at their jobs midday. <laughs> Coming at you from the recent past, uh, we recorded this but did not air to save it for this very broadcast. Joel Kim Booster, Jenny Yang, and Emily Heller on uh, rom-coms of every stripe. And we're back. In honor of Joel Kim Booster's upcoming rom-com, Fire Island, which got an almost pornographically beautiful write-up in Vanity Fair, we'd like to invite all of our guests to the stage to test their knowledge of the most egregious rom-com cliches. Put your hands together for Joel Kim Booster, Jenny Yang, and Emily Heller. Welcome back, everybody. Beautiful women, unable to find love due to their demanding jobs as chef architects. Ingenues withering on the vine at 27. Terminal life-ruining clumsiness. Some things are cliché because they're true. Other things are cliché because in the 90s, when basically any rom-com would make $200 million, <laughs> movies got a green light, and then the script would travel down a kind of evil sluiceway to somebody at the Beverly Hills Hotel who was famous for two things, doing coke and solving third-act problems. <laughs> Get ready to test your knowledge of classic rom-com moments that make you say, oh, come on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in a segment we've chosen to call Rom-Com Qualm Bomb. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Joel, you ready? Sure. Emily? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, we're going to go down the ride. Jenny, you're first. Oh, God. In the 1997 rom-com My Best Friend's Wedding, Julia Roberts, Julie, and Dylan McDermott's Michael pledged to get married if they both remain single to what age? 30. 28. Oh. God damn it. Joel, in even worse news, how old is Cameron Diaz's bride, Kimmy, supposed to be in the film? 19. It's 20. She's a college oh. sophomore. Emily, Bridget Jones is repeatedly categorized as chubby in 2001's Bridget Jones's Diary. How much does she weigh as revealed by a glimpse of her diary? 136 pounds. Correct. <laughs> wow. Nice. Wow. Wow. Nice. Can I just say really quickly for posterity's sake, Cameron Diaz was 19 when she was playing 20 in wow. My Best Friend's Wedding. Give him a ding. Give him a ding. Yeah, all right. He had a transpose. <laughs> Jenny, in 2007's Knocked Up, Katherine Heigl's Allison is a successful entertainment reporter who has been promoted to an on-air role at E. Where does she live? Los Angeles? More specific. Joel, you want to steal? Los Feliz. <laughs> Her sister's pool house. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we were looking for. Joel, in Gary Marshall's 2010 masterpiece, Valentine's Day, Eric Dane's professional NFL player, Sean, wins over his estranged limo driver boyfriend, Holden, played by Bradley Cooper, by doing what? 
bottoming for the first time. <laughs> that was backstage, but in the film, it was coming out on live television. Gotcha. Very big, 2010. Did someone in the audience just go, ah? <laughs> To a description of a Gary Marshall movie from 10 years ago? <laughs> you don't even know the character. Why do you care? Emily, in 1999's 10 Things I Hate About You, Julia Stiles' protagonist, Cat, does what to distract the teacher, distracting him long enough to allow Heath Ledger's Patrick to sneak out of the window? Oh, God, she flashes him, doesn't That's she? Correct. Oh, no. Oh, I really want a ding. I haven't gotten a ding yet. <laughs> I think you're not getting a ding on this one. <laughs> Let's see. It's, you, either you know it or you don't. In 2009's The Ugly Truth, Katherine Heigl's morning show producer, Abby, and Gerard Butler's chauvinistic TV host, Mike, conclude the film with a kiss where? Under a waterfall. So close. Live on air? On top of a waterfall. We were looking for runaway hot air balloon. Oh, runaway. <laughs> runaway? Yeah, I think they, I don't How know. How are they not just panicking? <laughs> I think they're making out. I think they're in love Does and they'll land somewhere. And neither one of their characters is a hot air balloon pilot. No, it seems not. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know the difference between a hot air balloon and a runaway hot air balloon. You know what I mean? I don't, what I is the distinction? I think the difference I think is it's a, a pilot. I think, yeah, a gust of wind. Um. <laughs> hot air balloons hold no appeal to me. I mean, hey, do you want to go on a date of indeterminate length? It's three of us. A pilot with whom we'll make small talk. It's very dangerous and, and, and allowed. No bathroom. No bathroom. There's no bathroom. You have to be up at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah, they don't work at night. They don't leave any later than 5:30 a.m. They don't work midday. And check-in takes, I think, an hour and 15 minutes. Apparently. <laughs> I don't even remember who's up. I think back to Jenny. <laughs> oh God. Okay. In 2010's Leap Year, Amy Adams' real estate stager Anna flies to Dublin to propose to her flop fiancé, played by Adam Scott, who exists only to be left in the third act for Matthew Good. What actual Irish holiday was she supposed to propose on? Um, St. Patrick's Day. Yes. The only, that's, no? Oh. Holy Irish holiday. You got it? I don't know what they do over there. <laughs> It's Bachelor's Day, the day women are allowed to propose, which falls on Leap Day. What? Joel, in 2008's 27 Dresses, Katherine Heigl's Jane does what to get revenge against her own sister, Tess, at said sister's engagement party? Um, makes out with her fiancé. Close. Blows her fiancé. <laughs> makes a slideshow revealing all the lies Tess told her fiancé, including not actually being a vegetarian... Wild. What a decade. I just want to go on record and say that's not close to yeah. making out. Yeah. No, no. Or a blowjob. I appreciate it, but thanks. In What Women Want, Mel Gibson's character is able to read the minds of women except who and why. Oh, it's Helen Hunt, right? Well, mm-hmm. No, he can read her mind. Oh, there's an, oh, it's a trans joke, isn't it? Nope. No? Oh, no? Imagine. <laughs> I mean, I can, yeah. and it's bad. Yeah, and I feel like that is in there at some point. Yeah, Wait, no, okay, never mind, I give up. He can't read the thoughts of his two female assistants, Eve and Margot, because they don't have any thoughts. Oh, wow. The logic tracks, the logic tracks. Jenny. Yes. In which rom-com does a teacher fall in love with an adult journalist who he actually thinks is a high school student? Oh, God, I knew this. This is recent. 
It's not. Can, no. No. It's, it's, not. <laughs> it's not. Can I give her a hint? Yeah. Drew Barrymore's in it. Thirty first dates. Josie Grossi. Josie. Know. I don't know. I forget, Josie Grossi's I not forget movies the somebody, moment I watch them. It has something to do with sexual experience in the title. Oh, um, sexual experiences. The blowjob. Yeah, that's it. The handy. It's the famous the... Drew Barrymore film, The Blowjob. <laughs> it's never been kissed. Never been kissed. Ah. Uh, Joel, in 2011's Friends with Benefits, Justin Timberlake's character redeems himself to Mila Kunis via flash mob in Grand Central oh. Station. What is the song? Does anybody know? If you know it, call it out. You got it. Whoa! Closing time by Semi Sonic. That's a jam. That's the jam. In 2000, and anyone can call these out because they're so hard. They're so hard. In 2009 movie, The Ugly Truth, starring Katherine Heigl and Gerard Butler, it's about a successful broadcast news producer enlists misogynist help to figure out how to land a man before she falls in love with the misogynist. How many women wrote this movie? <laughs> Zero. Zero. Three. Correct. Oh, wow. And finally, and anyone, including the audience, can take it. In 2007's Good Luck Chuck, the titular Chuck, played by Dane Cook, is a dentist. <laughs> what is the profession of his love interest, Cam, played by Jessica Alba? Penguin. It's Penguin Scientist. Wow. <laughs> penguin Scientist. <laughs> penguin Get it scientist. right. <laughs> Everybody go see Fire Island. Yes! <laughs> that whole segment's a plug. Yeah. Thank you. It was too hard. It was too hard, frankly. It was too hard. Also, we're banking that segment for a future episode. <laughs> That's right. what it did. So, just so you can, like, you have plenty of time to record us getting the answers right and edit that in. Yeah. Listen, what's more important, getting it right or being incredibly charming getting it wrong? <laughs> you know? Uh, that sounds like a wrong If the current state of politics has taught us anything, I think it's the latter. <laughs> That's good rom-com dialogue. I like it. I like it. Put this in the segment. Brian, make a note. This banter after, it's evening out that you're not writing anything. You're just pretending. Put all this in. This is gold. People like the in-between moments, hearing them as they come out of break. It's fun. Thanks to Joel, Jenny, and Emily. When we come back, we answer your burning questions. And we're back. While there may be six people in this room, they're really making it feel like eight. <laughs> and I appreciate that. All right, we took some questions at our last Dynasty Typewriter show, and I uh, gave some evasive responses. Here they are. And we're back. Does anybody have any questions? Political? They can be whatever you want. That's the beauty of questions. But just, you know, good questions. Hi, what's your name? My name's Galen. Galen? Correct. And what is your question? What's the best advice you ever received? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think the best advice I ever got was a piece of advice about writing. And it was, it's so trite, but it was good, and I needed to hear it. I try to apply elsewhere, which is, uh, what's something you have to write and that only you could write? Just like a simple way to think about a project or something you're going to do to kind of keep you grounded in something that's meaningful to you. Um, what's some other good advice? God, that's a hard question. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's okay. If I think of something else as we go, I'm going to keep coming back to it, Galen. But that's a hard question, and I appreciate it. Who else? Hi, what's your name? Steven. Steven, what's your question? 
Why are state politicians so dishonest about passing Medicare for all when it comes to the technical parts? Uh, that's a big question. I think some of them are and some of them aren't. I do think that there is a real challenge about doing things like that at the state level when the systems where so much of our money goes to the federal government, right? Like it is hard for a state like California to do universal health care when even if we do universal health care here, we're still sending money to the federal government to cover things like Medicare and Medicaid at the national level, right? There is a real challenge. Like we federalized a lot of health care, which makes it harder to spend the money we need to spend at the local level because the tax base is the tax base. We're all paying federal taxes. So if we want to raise taxes locally to give ourselves universal health care, we're also still subsidizing the places that aren't doing that. So like there are real challenges to doing it at the local level. And like for good and for ill, we decided a long time ago that this was going to be something we're going to solve at the national level. And we need to fucking solve it at the national level is my general take. Um, but why are politicians dishonest? Uh, because the only thing people hate more than being told what they want to hear is being told what they don't want to hear, frankly. you can, A follow-up? Sure. I'm Jen Psaki now. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is my like pet issue because I'm Hit me. chronically ill. Why do they pass bills without funding mechanisms and get the base riled up? Because they're politicians, uh, I think is unfortunately the answer. Because they want to say they're doing good things, but people actually don't like paying for things. Somebody made a notice about like the polling around foreign policy. And it was like <laughs> reaping, 85% approval rating. Sowing, 10% approval rating. <laughs> We're a kind of uh, venal, craven, short-term thinking culture in which politicians have decided that we don't want to hear about trade-offs and we don't care about trade-offs. And in a political system where you get no benefit for being honest about trade-offs is one in which nobody tells the truth and nobody recognizes that like good things are expensive or some policies have downsides or things are complicated. There's just like no space for it. None. No fucking space for it. And nobody's paying enough attention. And there's so much noise that any even effort to have a kind of sincere, honest, open debate is kind of drowned out by absolute fucking horseshit. So it rewards the worst politicians on planet Earth who just are fucking like saying the thing, the one line, the easy line over and over and over again. And like that may get you elected, but it's no way to govern, which is the only reason we survived the Trump years, because all their lies might add up to a winning electoral coalition. But there's nothing you can do once you're in office to actually execute because they don't actually have a policy agenda that makes sense. That makes sense? Thank you for telling the truth. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, it's easy. I have a podcast. I don't have voters. I have like-minded listeners. It rules. Ow, my foot. Fuck. All right. <laughs> also, I have plantar fasciitis, which is something I found out about today. What is that? You just you wake up in the morning, your foot hurts? That's, it sucks. What, am I almost 40? That sucks. You look great in a skirt. I do look great in a skirt. Where do I get my skirts? From all over the place. I had a bit of an epiphany during the pandemic, and the epiphany was something along the lines of, what are the rules I follow that help no one, that hurt me, and no one's making me follow? And one of them was wardrobe-related. I started by just buying skirts on Amazon, but then I realized, this is something you can do with money, and so now I'm getting some real nice skirts. Yeah. yeah. Well, hi, what's your name? Hi, I'm Dylan. Dylan, hi, what's your question? My question is, um, if you could have anybody on as like a guest on your show, who would it be? Honestly, anyone we want comes on this fucking show, all right? <laughs> We've got all the people we want. I mean, honestly, trying to get the guys from Los Culturistas is like trying to book Chris Rock and fucking Will Ferrell. It's fucking impossible. You hear that? Matt? He'll be on here. That's my answer. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? Hey, I'm Ann. Hi, Ann. What's your question? 
I know we're not talking about Build Back Better, but how do we pass this stuff and how do we support getting the stuff in Build Back Better passed without calling it that? Well, I think one thing we've learned is that this idea of pressure, 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 Joe Manson and Kirsten Cinema magic passage has not really worked. It very much reminds me of the underwear gnome thing from South Park all oh, those many years ago, just question mark money. They have not responded to the pressure. And so it's like, the answer is, unfortunately, we need to elect more Democrats. Of course, our failure to elect more Democrats in 2018 has put us in a position to have fewer Democrats at the end of 2022. That is just the reality of it. I think the only hope we have is to listen to what Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema say and figure out what exactly they're for. Because Joe Manchin has been pretty explicit at this point for what are the things he's going to potentially be in favor of. And we just need to chop them up and get as much as we can done. I don't know what else to do at this point. It sucks. We're in a really difficult political position. There's no good answer. And it's not satisfying at all. And I hate it. And I don't like them very much. At least Joe Manchin, there's some kind of fucking argument like this is the only Democrat we could have in West Virginia. That is true. Always be primary Joe Manchin or whatever. Like he can become a Republican tomorrow. He'd be more successful as a Republican. He has a lot of leverage. Kirsten Cinema is a fucking mystery. And like, <laughs> and like this, when we only got 50 seats because Cal Cunningham likes to fuck, and I don't know what happened in Maine. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> think about how much it fucking cost us that Cal Cunningham came to LA for a fundraiser and to do Pod Save America so that he could fuck. And the result is we have to find out what Kirsten Cinema is doing 24 hours a day. It's really a very frustrating situation. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? My name's Kat. Hi, Kat. What's your question? Um, so I grew up in California, but now I live in New Mexico. New Mexico has really dope public transit, but it, everything costs three times as much as they told voters that it was going to cost. How could California get good public transit? Because this would be a pretty dope state if it had good public transit. Yeah, I mean, one thing that we could do in California is stop allowing NIMBY people to hide behind progressive bullshit and reform the ways in which we pass infrastructure so that we can actually build more in this state without it being mired in lawsuits and fake environmental concerns and, and objections that make it impossible for us to build anything. The fact that we can't build a train connecting Los Angeles and San Francisco, which has 10 times the population of Barcelona and Madrid, when they were able to do that in Spain with environmental laws, with labor laws, with protections for their workers, it's indictment of America, but it's indictment of Democrats, an indictment of the systems we've built. We have to just sort of start tackling it. We have to like actually make sure our the state legislature like addresses these issues and makes it easier to build as soon as possible because we're suffocating. We're, we can't build housing, we can't build infrastructure, and it makes California more expensive. It makes it unlivable, and everybody puts these signs on. And in this state, we welcome refugees, and we don't because if it's too expensive for anybody to live here, we don't welcome fucking anybody. Let's do one more. Hi, what's your name? Anna. Anna, what's your question? How are your wedding plans coming? Uh -huh. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're out of time. <laughs> All right, when we come back, in-studio rant wheel. <laughs> oh, my God, that delay was horrible. Leave all this in. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. 
streaming May 23rd only on BET Plus. Miss Pat is back. I'm excited. <laughs> and it's time for some grown ass family time. I am a man. Oh, you a man? That's right. Then take my clothes off. You ain't pay for none of that on your back. Dad, you can't ignore your mother forever. I've tried. Would you like me to backhand you again? The Miss Pat Show. Streaming May 23rd on BET Plus. To sign up and learn more, visit BET.plus. And we're back. You guys aren't making me miss doing this in the studio. <laughs> One note, everybody. Love it or leave it. Live or else will be at Dynasty Typewriter on April 28th as part of Netflix is a joke. We're going to have some incredible guests lined up as part of that festival. For tickets for that show and a bunch of other shows in L.A. and across the country, go to crooked.com slash events. And if you are listening and want to come to our Dallas or Austin show, get those tickets right now. They are selling fast and we will be there i mean it's here we're gonna we'll be there now <laughs> on the rant wheel this week we have in-flight entertainment chocolate chips cars bananas playstation's new branding scheme for playstation plus and that's it all right let's spin the wheel it has landed on Chocolate Chips Revisited. Ooh. Joining us now, you know her, you love her. Head writer for Love It or Leave It, Hallie Kiefer. Thank you for having me back. Thank you. Now, the last time we are here, you made a, I'd say, shocking claim, Mm -hmm. which was that you did not like chocolate chip cookies. Yes. Well, more broadly, even just chocolate chips in general. Mm Mm-hmm. And it says here uh, you have a rant about uh, chocolate chips revisited. Uh, the floor is yours. <clears throat> <laughs> Nuance. What is it? <laughs> How do you have it? How do you spell it? Because I spelled it so wrong, autocorrect, can't even correct it. <laughs> you know, I, I said some things that I can't take back, but I will take it back because of, uh, who cares? You know, uh, <laughs> it's a rant about chocolate chips. I, I made some statements that I, I almost came to blows with producer Brian Semmel. <laughs> about uh, strong feelings about chocolate chips. And I have to say, I, I revisited the topic recently. I was eating a delicious cookie. Chocolate, caramel, marshmallow. The problem with that, even as you're, I'm saying it, you bite into it too soft. And that was my problem with chocolate chips. Too hard? And I had a cookie. I thought, you know what? You know what this could have needed? Something a little hard in the middle of it. <laughs> which really brings me to my larger point, which is not pro-chocolate chip, because mm-hmm. I don't want to be pro-chip. But in fact, I'm pro-nut. And I will say a chocolate chip will do when you don't have a nut, but ultimately this is a pro-nut rant. There should be nuts. I'm going to go and say it. Nuts in more cakes. Very few. You have what? Um, carrot mm-hmm. cake? Yep. That's not a nut. <laughs> list. I guess there's walnuts in there, you're saying. Yeah. I, I, I can't think of any other cake that has nuts. Wait, what? There we go. Perfect. Brian Semmel uh, calling off mic. Uh, uh, German chocolate cake has pecans. You're right. Well, depending on where you are, depending on your country, uh-huh. I don't know, I don't know. Um, so, I, in conclusion, in conclusion, yeah, the nut is superior to chips in all ways. Mm-hmm. But if you can't get a nut, a chocolate chip has its place. Wow. And I just, I thank you. I just wanted. To, I, I, uh, there is a central path, not right, left, forward. And this is me going forward with chocolate chips. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes. Chocolate chips are sometimes food, which apparently is what Cookie Monster now has to say. He can't be like, oh, I have cookies. It's like, sometimes we have cookies. And I'm saying, sometimes you can, a chip will do. 
Sometimes a chip will do. Here's the thing. That's what, if this show is for has any purpose to get a message out there. I <laughs> and, many some, say, and many would say it does so. not. But if you do think it could, it's mm-hmm. that, that sometimes a chip will do. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hello, Keith, everybody. Bye. Let's spin it again. It has landed on bananas. Coming in, it's John Milstein. Hi, John. What's up? Um, mm-hmm. Bananas. Uh, bananas. We sure. clearly, as a group here, have strong feelings about foods that babies love. <laughs> Taco chips and bananas. <laughs> My take on these bananas is it's a food I like a lot. If it's good, if it's firing, a banana, inch for inch, is consistent. Every part of it tastes exactly the same. Yeah, that's cool. I like them in sort of a jewel tone area in between green and yellow, sort of at the beginning. Mm. That's a very kind of a sophisticated palette for bananas. Yeah. I'm an early adopter of the right time to eat them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just can't shake this feeling that these bananas are getting brown faster than they used to. Every (laughs) banana that I encounter is brown. It's like if I walk into a friend's apartment it's going to be spotted brown. In my apartment, sure as hell going to be spotted in brown. And the transformation that a banana makes from yellow to brown is one of the most disgusting transformations in nature, maybe. Right. The only thing worse is tadpole to frog. <laughs> a brown banana is so gross. It's not just gross in and of the tube of the banana. It radiates. It yeah. turns your whole space into sort of like a garbage uh, <laughs> place. It's right. like... Yeah, brown banana changes everything. This is the food that we associate with the garbage can more than maybe any other, like, uh, apart from fish skeletons. Like, right. in a cartoon, if a trash can gets knocked over, it's either going to be brown bananas, fish skeletons popping out. Do you think there was a time when people were eating more fish off the bone? Cats, for sure. Yeah. They get all the way down to the bone. But I do think that there's something about garbage from cartoons where it's like... A fish skeleton with it's usually the head is still there and the tail is still there and then just the bones. Yeah. Like most people, there was a time in America where people were just like, "What are we having for dinner?" Well, we're each having a fish. You know, we're each going to have a fish on a plate. Right, right. Like, with the head and the tail. Yeah. Then we put it in the garbage and let let a cartoon knock it over later. Right. And, uh, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just can't shake. I I you think really, there's something going on here. I think there's something going. I don't know if it's the houses, the buildings that I was going into and out of as a child. If there were more hungry child's mouths eating all these bananas, so they didn't get to the brown stage. Right. But I can't shake it. There's no way to outsmart the bananas. My I had a former roommate who would put a full banana in the freezer to make smoothies out of later. Yeah. If you've seen a banana that gets into the freezer with its skin on. Yeah. This no, is a I new know. level of disgusting. It's um, it's as if the banana is screaming. Yeah. You it's, know, in a way. The skin shrivels up, turns full brown. And yeah. no, now we're talking a consistent coat. And also, if you want to get the meat out of this thing, the brown and the yellow have now fused. The, you know, the barrier is broken down. Yeah. I mean, something I would just say to your friend, if you talk to them still, I don't know what your relationship is like. 
I think if you're going to freeze bananas for smoothies, which is a great idea and a great way to make bananas last, you take the skin off before you put it in that freezer. I know. That's a really great move. Then, it, then you're not dealing with some kind of a we were, force field around the banana yeah. from a, on a go-forward basis. So we were we were roommates, and so if I wanted to steal his bananas to make smoothies out of, I had to be the, the banana surgeon who was taking off the, that's the dumb. skin, sloughing that stuff and, off. And I, and I think that's really dumb. I think the fundamental problem with bananas is if you get seven bananas, that's a week's worth of bananas. But actually, what you have is day zero, no bananas because they're green. Day one, green right. bananas. Day two, maybe you're talking about uh, a Milstein level yeah. kind of firm, tough, not sweet, a banana for a sophisticated exactly. palate. Then day three, you have all good banana. You have to all, gorge you have to yourselves go- on that on that yeah. day. You have one day where you have to just yeah. open up your jaw and banana. And then day four, day four, it's like, okay, we better eat these bananas. But one of those bananas is saying adios like i'm i'm ahead of these other guys and i'm about to take them all with me by day five you're like these are too sweet some of them they get those little spots on you know if you're very thoughtful if you're very Mm -hmm. conscientious maybe you'll eat the bad banana first knowing that the bananas that will remain are good Mm -hmm. but that's just like i'm in this life for joy you know i'm not trying to mess around with these bad bananas and and eat them to get them out of the way yeah so i would rather yolo as we said once yeah i say yolo to my fruit bowl when i walk by it every day (laughs) you say yolo to your fruit bowl when you walk by it every day that's right this will edit down nicely i think (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah i think you've come to agree with me that the bananas are getting brown faster and it's very bad and it's one of the bigger problems i agree and that's my rant yeah yeah John Milstein, everybody. The bananas are getting brown faster, and it's something we should look into. Let's spin it again. It has landed on in-flight entertainment. You wrote something? Ari Schwartz is here with a rant about in-flight entertainment. I think people are making, like, bad decisions on airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, not just ones that like get them like duct taped or sure. hit on the head with a coffee pot, but people are watching Oscar bait and Oscar movies on airplanes, which is like a bad decision. That's just not an airplane movie in the least bit. There are rules. We live in a society. <laughs> oh, there is. Uh huh. Yep, we, we do. do. We do. We do live in sure. a society, right? Mm-hmm. And as it sort of falls apart around us, we have to try to keep the little semblances of order in place, and that is what makes something a good airplane movie when we fly. And I've put a little guideline together, which is, first one is you have to scroll through the entire catalog that is in that, the airplane. That is exactly right. Not just new releases. You go right. to A to you Z. Have you have a to, to Z A to Z. A to Z. you got to start at A and you got to mm-hmm. go to Z. All the way to Z. And the numbers. Whatever. The, sometimes Some, they're at the start. Sometimes they're at the end. You sometimes, have to see it. Sometimes they, they might got, have 21 Jump Street. Sometimes they knew what that. to do with the. Sometimes yeah. they, they said, we understand that the is not a movie that starts with mm-hmm. T. Sometimes 100%. they don't know that. Sometimes they don't know that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they do, though. It's really uh-huh. it depends on the airline. Depends on the airline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mergers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mergers have a big thing to do with the the. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Whole catalog. You have to scroll through it, and you have to then figure out. Step two is figure out what movie you would watch, and that's like something that you you would always go back to if it's on TV. You know, when TV was happening with cable, and you could turn on a channel, and you know, I don't know if that still exists where you could just turn on a TV and then there's stuff playing. I don't think. Um, but when you could do that and then like a movie would be on, you'd be like, oh my God, yeah, of course I'm going to watch the rest of National Treasure. It's on. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, you pick a movie based on that. What is a movie you would love to watch even though it's not like on your list? And then you have to scroll through again, alphabetized. And is there anything in that list that is better 
than that movie that you know and love. I recently Mm -hmm. watched the new Spider-Man. I hadn't seen it, but I watched it on an airplane because it seemed better to me than some of the other stuff that I already knew and love. And then I also watched Miss Congeniality because that's a classic. Mm -hmm. It's perfect in every way. It it is also problematic, Um, but it is. It's from 2005. Yeah, it is definitely has some things that should not have happened in it, but it's a good movie. Miss Congeniality is now old enough to get a driver's license. Mm -hmm. Something to think about. People don't talk about that. People don't talk about it enough. Yeah. Something to think about. Mm -hmm. So then you have to watch either the movie you know and love or something that is better. So like I don't know if you guys saw there was like that thing going around Twitter um, that was like two people in back-to-back seats watching the different Kristen Stewart movies. One was watching Twilight, <laughs> and behind them they were watching Spencer. The person who was watching Spencer made a bad decision. I agree with that. I agree that with is that. not an airplane movie. It's not an airplane movie. If you were going to watch an Oscar movie on an airplane, you were never going to watch that movie, and that's not your movie. You just need to decide, oh, I'm not going to watch this movie. I you should really watch smart. Twilight. <laughs> I was doing the full scroll A mm-hmm. to Z, and I found that on uh, the flight back from uh, D.C. to Los Angeles, one of the options on Delta was a film called The Diary of Anne Frank. And Not I an think that movie. anyone who chooses that on a plane should be put on some kind of a list <laughs> because that is the choice of an absolute maniac. It's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful exploration of the horrors people visit on each other and the and of a child trying to find a sense of self and grow up under these horrible conditions not a fucking plane movie not imagine you movie. sit down on a plane and you click play on sweet home alabama Which, and then you yeah. look to your next neighbor and they're watching the diary of anne frank that is bananas Speaking of Sweet Home Alabama, Mm -hmm. which is a movie I did try to watch on this recent flight, this brings me to another rule about flight movies. You can stop them at any time. That's a good rule. You can stop them at any time. There's no, you do not have to watch it all the way through. Mm -mm. I got to a point in Sweet Home Alabama where she outs her childhood friend at a gay bar and I said, "Mm mm-mm, not an airplane movie anymore. Turned it off. (laughs) Turned on Spider-Man. And as we begin to go on tour with stops in Austin, Uh Dallas. Sure. And Boston. PSA in Boston and, and D.C. St. Paul. St. Paul. Chicago. Mm-hmm. Seattle. Portland. Portland. Both Portlands. Both Portlands. One is, they're on the opposite coast. Opposite I don't know if you Portlands. know that. Uh, um, we don't know which one when, but we're going to both. We're going to both. It's sort of a spin the whatever. It's a spin the Portland. A spin the Portland, if you will. Crooked.com forward slash events. <laughs> sure. Do you have anything else to add? No. Miss Congeniality is a pretty good airplane movie. Yep. Ari Schwartz, everybody. Let's spin it again. It has landed on cars. Brian Semmel, flying in. Uh, Hi, Brian. It seems as though your rant is about cars. Buckle up. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Bill, please insert a sound effect of a horrible vehicular incident. Oh, no. People listen to this while driving. Yeah. All right. Mistake number one. (laughs) I spent the first 15 years of my life blissfully unaware of how I would die. And then I turned 16, and I immediately knew I will die in a car, Mm -hmm. and I will be the driver. I do not know my right from my left. That is not a joke. I do not know which cardinal direction I am facing unless I am in the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. It did take me three times to, <laughs> to pass my driver's <laughs> test. And I did not get better with each time. They took pity on me. Yeah. And then I got my junior license, and the next week, I got a ticket for driving the wrong way down a one-way road. And they still gave me a full license, which is a license to kill. You're familiar with roundabouts? 
What? Like, Whose idea? Whose idea was running? Just like, it's like where you come into a circle. You're driving. It's straight. It's straight. It's straight. And it's not. Yields. Is it me in 2017? What are the damn <laughs> rules? I enter a roundabout. <laughs> And I close my eyes and you I hold my in, breath. You were in straight and in then 2017. I spend, no, and that, no, that's when it changed. But uh, no, I close my eyes. I hold my breath around about, and then I spend all day there because I don't know how to get off. And so, like, I'm particularly bad at driving, but I think Sounds, everyone is mm-hmm. bad at driving. Mm-hmm. I see you on the highway, not you in particular, you, the general people. Uh-huh. And I see you texting, and I see you on TikTok, yep. and I see you with your flasks, and I see you with your joints, flasks. and I see you eating your breakfast and applying your makeup and getting and receiving roadhead pull over. How? Get thee to a nunnery. Where are enough you driving? Is enough. Where? Get where? rid of is highways. This, is this on the five? Turn the highways <laughs> into koi ponds. Turn them into preschools. We are done with preschools? highways. And I know you're thinking, Brian, 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 how will I get around? Walk, bitch. Walk, get bitch. Get a bike. Get it a will bike. be less scary if I am not on the road seeing a spider in the passenger seat. Walk, bitch. Yeah, walk, bitch. Hey, bitch, walk. Yes. Anyway, and uh-huh. that, I know that you're thinking, Brian, 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 like, Brian mm-hmm. where will I cry? Where if will you I think cry? crying in private is nice, try crying in public. It is a treat. Cry in line at Trader Joe's. Cry in line on a park bench. Cry in line kissing a stranger on a dance floor. They'll think it's sweat. It's all good. No more cars. I cried once at... Uh, uh, my favorite pizza place in New York, which is the one inside of Penn Station. Mm-hmm. Is it a Sbarro? No, no, it's not a Sbarro. It's, I believe it's called Roses. Okay. Oh, some of my favorite pizza. Kyle knows what I'm talking about. You ever cry there, Kyle? I have not. You should try it. <laughs> It'll be way better than your car. Do you cry in your car? I do not. <laughs> Liar. Where do you cry, Kyle? <laughs> Kyle, where do you cry? Does Kyle... I've never cried. <laughs> Kyle, our sound engineer, says he has never cried. Yeah. Wow, that's straight culture. I think that's cool. That's cool. Thank your bus drivers. Thank your ferrymen. Well, they're driving. And your pilots. Ferries? You think we're going to get around Los Angeles on ferries? Trolleys. We should bring the trolleys back. Yeah. Toot toot. Toot toot. Uh, Anything else to add? If you see me, pull over, babe. (laughs) Pull over, babe. Obviously, uh, this is we're having fun here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian, I think you are a terrible driver. I think it's really dangerous that you drive. I think you should stop doing it. The government sanctions this. Yeah, they shouldn't. No. Brian's not everybody. Call your congressman. (laughs) Call your It has landed on the feeling you get late at night, maybe after having a little bit of weed, that everything you've ever said is embarrassing and buffoonish. This is suggested by me. (laughs) I hate the feeling when you're lying in bed late at night, maybe you've had a little bit of weed, and all of a sudden you think everything you've ever said or done is embarrassing. Every single thing you've ever said or done is embarrassing. Every photo you've taken, every sentence you've uttered, every moment you were proud of, in fact... You looked ridiculous. Every conversation that didn't go as well as you thought, every time you were engaged in some kind of a discourse with a person who may have been involved in their own thing and having their own day that has nothing to do with you, and yet because it didn't go the way you thought, you assume it's something you did and you carried around for years, or the things that happened when you were like three or four years old, or like five years old or six year old, where you were just learning what words meant, or even that how to use them and how you could hurt people's feelings, and maybe you said something wrong to an adult because you were trying to seem like you knew what you were talking about, and it didn't go well, and then somebody told you you said the wrong thing, and you carry that around for 35 years until you have a little bit of an edible and it comes back to you. I hate that. And then you try to tell somebody you feel this way, and they say, like, oh, everybody has imposter syndrome. But what if I really am? What if I am a real, actual fraud and imposter? Like, sure, like, I am sure there have been moments where Malala is like, am I really making a difference? Or like Greta Thunberg is like, maybe this isn't worth it or maybe I'm full of shit, you know? But that's not right for them. 
that's imposter syndrome for them. When we come back, the high note. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Here it is. This week's high note. Hi, love it. I'm calling in from Seattle with a high note. I had a dream that I ran into you at a bar and I was like, oh, love it. I have a high note I want to tell you about, which is, and this is true. uh, I recently beat a video game for the first time since I was like in middle school. And as a 41-year-old mom, I was very pleased with myself because I haven't played video games with any seriousness since like the Super Mario and Paperboy days of my youth. But anyway, in my dream also, I was like looking up at you to tell you the story because in my subconscious you are about six foot two, which is neither here nor there, but I thought you might enjoy that. So anyway, thanks so much. Keep up the great work. Bye. Hi, my name is Julia. I'm 17. I live in Texas. And I've been listening to Crooked Media Pods for a few years. They're part of the reason that I want to go to college to study political science and work in politics. And I just found out that I got into Georgetown University. I'm very excited for the future. And I just want to say thank you for inspiring me to take this path. Hi, love it. I am a school social worker in a very conservative area outside of Philly. And for the past six weeks, we have been running a LGBT support group for our middle school students where we connect them with our GSA at the high school level. And we bust these kids up and they get to hang out and learn about different topics, about coming out, about safe resources in the community. Um, And we have had over 40 middle school students and over 20 high school students participate in this group every single week. And this week will be our last group. And the kids are really sad, but we are going to continue this at the individual school level um, to kind of provide them that support, even though we can't continue to bust them up to the high school. So I'm really heartened by this, especially with all of the anti-trans, anti-gay legislation going on in the country right now to see that these kids who live in this very, very conservative area still have an outlet to feel safe and express themselves. Thank you for all you do. Bye. Hey, love it. It's Sarah from Brooklyn, New York. I love your show. I listen to it every week, but this message actually is not for you. I am calling to thank the person who submitted a high note to your February 19th episode about losing their AirPod in the subway tracks and someone rescuing it for them. I, no offense of it, have never laughed harder than when listening to that story. And sometimes if I'm having a bad day, I go back and listen to it again. So thank you. And thank you. Love it. Thanks to everybody who called in with high notes. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, you can call us at 213-262-4427. That is our show. Thank you once again to Joel Kim Booster, Jenny Yang, and Emily Heller. Thanks to our ranters, Hallie Keeper, Ari Schwartz, John Milstein, and Brian Semmel. And thanks to everybody who shared a high note. There are 220 days until the 2022 midterm elections. Have a great weekend. Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett, and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our senior producer, and Brian Semmel is our producer. Howie Keeper is our head writer, and Jocelyn Kaufman, Pullavi Gunalan, and Peter Miller are the writers. Bill Lance is our editor, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Caroline Haywood, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Narmel Konian, Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote, for filming and editing video each week so you can. 
streaming May 23rd only on BET Plus. Miss Pat is back. I'm excited. <laughs> and it's time for some grown ass family time. I am a man. Oh, you a man? That's right. Then take my clothes off. You ain't pay for none of that on your back. Dad, you can't ignore your mother forever. I've tried. Would you like me to backhand you again? The Miss Pat Show. Streaming May 23rd on BET Plus. To sign up and learn more, visit BET.plus.